Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Board Podcast, and Happy New Year, PJ. What's going on, man? Happy New Year, everyone. We're now a decade that spans, we're now a podcast that spans two decades. Yes, we are. That can never be taken away from us. We have stood the test of time. Yes, yeah, so hopefully everyone's New Year's resolutions are uh, still, still intact. Still yes. intact. Yes. If you're, uh, if if you're uh, a, Jim if Hardo, uh, hopefully you've already sent your contractually obligated uh, tweet or social media post complaining about new people going to the gym and taking up all the space. If not, Monday's your day. Well... You're Jim Hardo, so did you send that tweet? No. Oh. It was pretty light at my gym, but I kind of laugh at that because it's like... I just don't understand the the, the getting upset about that kind of thing, but it gets everyone every year. I mean, it's a minor annoyance. I'm, I'm surprised that... It causes as exactly an uproar as it does for sure. It's but it's a thing. Blown. It is a thing. It's overblown. Although there are lifetimes in Twin Cities area, it's real there. I mean they they've got problems with space. Normal in the beginning of the year. year. No, at normal times of the year. So the beginning of the year, it is it is a bit of a shit shit show. So, uh, I do understand it. For some places, but I'd say in general, it's much overblown. But anyway, we are not focusing on the important uh, stuff. The importance of <laughs> of making sure you have a properly staffed and sized gym. We are here to talk about the National Basketball Association, which lost a very important figure in David Stern uh, a few days ago. Um, we're recording this on January second. Which, there has been a lot said in just about every NBA player, especially ones that actually uh, were fortunate enough to get called on the stage by David Stern, have thrown a a ton of positive uh, love his way since his passing. Super sad. Um, Dude did so much for the NBA. Would not be anywhere near the league that it is today if, you know... Like, the chances of it growing the way that it did, very few people would be able to do that. He was able to do that. Uh, expanded the league, created, helped found WNBA, NBA Cares, uh, G League, cr- helped create League Pass. The dudes dude did a lot of great things, so it's, uh, it's, it's a tough one. And not very unexpected. He seemed like a man of good health and was in, in the public eye a lot still, and uh, yeah, regressed. Yeah, regressed pretty fast. The last, uh, probably yeah, beginning of December, um, kind of early stuff about his health and just uh, yeah, unfortunately with the was not able to recover. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't not credit him for you know his three years as probably one of the more successful major sports league commissioners. Um, you know, I think he for sure isn't like by any means a perfect commissioner, and, and I think you know, I've I've liked 
you know, on, on several fronts as far as kind of memorializing him and, and what people have said. I think they've kept it pretty honest and like, yes, I, I I think there's like two ways you can look at him and it's like as a figure and like a leader of the league. You know, the time he came in and stuff was like, I mean, I don't think this. Yeah, and I well, and I I don't think this is this is disheart like you know it's could other commissioners have you know possibly taken you know I don't think the league is what it is just because of David Stern, but I think that given the mix of of uh, in the situation the league was in and you know his decisions and moves, I think he leverage and took what the NBA did best and and grew it promoted it more um you know really focused on the players I don't think um yeah by any means like you look at bird bird magic or like you know having those pieces there and then knowing and having the intellect to know how to leverage that to grow a sport um I don't think many people could do and so from that perspective, the league was lucky that he was at the helm for that. Um, and yeah, I mean, internationally, I know he's gotten a lot of credit there as well for, you know, everything he's done from that standpoint to grow the league um, as well into the the you know national the international product it is now. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he had his blunders around the along the way as well, and was divisive, and um, oftentimes was pretty <laughs> a pretty you know stark you know strong figure, and would uh, often uh, I think make some decisions that you know he would not back down from, whether you agree with them or not. Um, but you got to respect him at least for standing standing his ground um and yeah overall i mean you look at the league where it's at now it's impossible to uh to not think of david sir i mean for us we've all that the league we knew was was david with david Stern in it always so um you know from that standpoint we didn't really know anything different um from the you know league he built kind of once we were born and you know growing up with it so um well it's just (laughs) it's i guess where my mind immediately went uh because when i heard about this it's just just kind of fun to look back at big things that happened in the nba and kind of what what he played a huge part in um while he was commissioner and adam silver gets so much praise for what he does now and a lot of it is deserved and i think it's a very popular commissioner Uh, i would argue that you're not seeing as many widespread changes um and they're they're talking about some you know what they're talking about doing with uh the tournament uh, them talking about uh how they could potentially reseed going into the playoffs. All those things could be, I think I, I'm in general in favor of them trying different stuff. And um, I'm less concerned with like the consistent history of it. I, I just kind of want to yeah. see a really fun, cool product. And I think David Stern like tried a lot of that stuff. He tried to implement, he tried to get a new basketball, uh, <laughs> which went terribly and all that. Yeah. Day. 
all the NBA players hated it, and it seems like a small thing, but it ended up being a very big thing. Um, and that quickly got backed out. He, you know, the one-and-done rule. Uh, yeah. Him, um, him vetoing the Chris the Paul Chris, trade to the yeah, Lakers. Yeah, that was the one I wanted to mention. Yeah, that is... Uh, I still... I, I don't. I don't agree with it, but you know, I I I just think that those things are incredibly interesting, and he's definitely met, left his mark on the history of the NBA yeah. and expanding the league to thirty teams. Um, it's, you know, it's he's done a lot, a lot of amazing things. Uh, yeah, the, the new and the <laughs> brief <laughs> dress code. Uh, yeah, the dress. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he. They're just some crazy stuff, and like some of it was bad, but like well, I said, try some stuff, see what happens, move on if it doesn't work, and that just. I'd like to see the NBA do a little bit more of that. Yeah, I. I mean, I, I'd say like to his credit, it like he always knew, and recognized like, who he needed to go after and the markets and kind of where where he needed to to put the product and it was just how how to make that product attractive to grow in those areas um which i think is very rare and not necessarily something yeah anyone could have done i i think uh you know it's easy to look at and be like well you had michael jordan larry bird magic yeah anyone could have taken that and like you know obviously made it but i think that's that's kind of just a bunch of crap like that's not by any means the case like you it was just yeah kind of commissioner right right time right place um and yeah over his 30 years i think did um his impact is yeah on um undeniable for sure and yeah it's uh sad like yeah 77 isn't necessarily i mean that does feel you know a little early for for someone to to go so that's yeah unfortunate um but yeah i think you know and i think it's i do like the that adam silver though is i mean i think doing a pretty good job of continuing forward his legacy um in his own way to uh continue the moving the game forward yep absolutely and i i'm like i said i I hope that they I hope they end up moving forward with some of these rule changes that have come up yeah. this year. But uh, it will be interesting. I will say, like the one thing I know, like the WNBA, just to see. I mean, um, you know, that was like you mentioned that at the beginning. That's a huge. That was a big, like, piece of importance to Adam Silver. And I, <clears throat> you know, one thing I do hope is they can find a way to, you know, make that league. Probably, you know, whatever you, you think about, and like, but, like, that I, I do know for a long time has been, like, was, even after he retired, like, that, the kind of sentiment around the league was there, and to keep that going because of, uh, out of respect to him, um, so, you know, with his passing, I, 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 I don't think they would, you know, nix it, any, so, I, but I just wonder if his passing will help, you know, add a little more motivation, or, um, you know, reinvigorate some some folks in the league offices to really try to, you know, take that portion of the NBA, you know, entire umbrella to the next level as well. 
Yeah, I would love to see what they can do with that. It's been kind of embarrassing, the coverage that that league has gotten, especially in the last year or two. It seems like um, there was a stretch there where at least you had like a really cool rivalry with the Sparks and the Lynx where they were really competitive and a little more popular in their given markets. But um, I don't know. It, it would be great to see that, that league expand a little bit, and especially in popularity. But mm-hmm. um, Once Kobe's that's... daughter gets to the WNBA, yes. that's when it will happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> could. Uh, hey, for all I know, man. Uh, but very sad story. Uh, another sad story is Alex Caruso is eighth in Western Conference backcourt, all-star voting as of and, today. We got hey, an update. <laughs> don't hey, don't forget Taco Fall. Yeah, they're just I I mean you sent uh, in a group chat you sent a tweet from Hazonia uh, responding to someone uh, around reactions to allowing. Uh, fans to vote for all-star voting and they say he didn't think that they should be allowed to vote i'm not going to go that far but it does i don't know how i'm torn like do i think it's kind of funny and fun that you're gonna vote taco fall on alex Caruso and they're gonna be in top 10 in the uh, front court in their respective conferences yeah it's kind of entertaining and there's no way that based after uh, coaches and players weigh in on that. Well, is it coaches and players or coaches and media? I'm screwing this up now. Isn't it, I think it's coaches and media. After they win, that that is not going to stay, nor would they even make the roster. Yeah, the fan vote makes up fifty percent. But damn, that is wild. But kind of rounding this out, top five in Western backcourt, Western Conference backcourt: Luca, Harden. Same Steph, which that's a little questionable, you know. He's played like five games. Russ, uh, front court: LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi, Paul George, Cat. Uh, Western conferences. I looked at this, and one thing that's like, this is not a surprise, but it's just until you see all these names on paper. Western conference is just stacked, <laughs> unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like the backcourt alone is just something to behold. Uh, the East has still got some got some stuff going for it but it's not, yeah not i the just same. i wish in general like how we we were talking you know things improve. it's just like i really wish they would just eliminate the conferences for this for the uh <laughs> for like seating playoffs all that stuff just like get rid of all of it um because yeah i mean it's it is lopsided and you know it is what it is but um you know, I, it's, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm not going to really, you know, lose any minutes of my day getting upset that people are voting Taco Fall, Alex Russo in. Like, in the end of the day, this is all for an exhibition game kind of thing. <laughs> like, yes, true. Um, you know, Good if you, if I, it's, I mean, if you really put someone be like, oh, so if you, you voted for that guy, you're actually going to watch all of that. And like, want, you really want to watch Taco Fall play an all-star game? Like, cool, man. Yeah. Let's see about that. Yeah. Boston, all you Boston fans that voted on that. Yeah. You're going to watch all that all-star game. I don't think so, but, um, for the jokes purposes, it's pretty great. <laughs> it is pretty great. 
I, uh, other than those two, there wasn't a ton that stood out. I mean, the Steph one's fun. I mean, that's like Dwight Howard being 10th. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Dude, I mean, that's just big well. fan bases. Yeah. Big fan yeah. bases doing what big fan bases do. But, uh, so starting out on a very sad note, another sad story, especially for me. Report comes out earlier this week. Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Warriors are monitoring that situation, and that Cat is unhappy with the team. And I say, no shit. This is something that <laughs> was I have talked about time and time again. It's a ticking clock. You got a guy that is is an all-star is likely not going to make an all-nba team this year because there are a lot of really great centers and the wolves just aren't the team is not good enough to justify putting him in there but he's playing at that caliber of of level he's been banged up and missed a handful games in a row but i i i guess my not to put you on the spot but like it's great that the Warriors are keeping an eye on him, but what the hell could they trade to make that an appealing offer? That That's where my mind immediately went. It's, that, it's not that teams out there could not put together an offer that would that should at least make you... if if the Like, you don't trade Carl Anthony Towns, but if Carl Anthony Towns says, I want out, you really don't have much of a choice. It's an AD situation. It's a Paul George situation. It's a Kyrie situation. you got to deal him. And he has so much time left on his contract, and he's so much younger than those guys that I just, I just threw out. Uh, Anthony Davis being the closest comparison, probably, and he's a better player. Um, you should be able to fe- fetch a king's ransom for Carl Anthony Towns, and I don't think there is a version mm. of what the Warriors could give up for him outside of op- like obviously they're not going to include the Splash Bros or Draymond in that deal so how do you make that work well i think they probably would i mean i would assume that some of those pieces or dm i mean you've got they i mean if if they really think that i mean i'd say probably outside steph curry probably everyone else would be on the the table for something like that if they really thought they could be um successful and i'm not that doesn't would not surprise me if they could pull that off just because of uh you know looking at minnesota especially like that market everything i mean they can't necessarily just take draft picks and everything with that like they would probably look to get um you know some some names or especially if you're dealing with the warriors like those are all big names like those are all guys people recognize and and know so um I, I I wouldn't be you know especially with uh, the Timberwolves ownership and everything. like yeah that doesn't it would not surprise me is it the best offer they get I don't know um, but yeah like you said it is a uh, uh, sort of no shit sort of moment and and stuff for <laughs> like that he you know it wasn't if but when that you would get those reports and that's with most of these teams you know similar to the timberwolves or it's like if you do hit on a player and you get one it's like all right that's where the good organizations succeed is that they're able to 
you know, have some success and, and, and make that player a focal point and want, have them want to stay and not go, you know, looking for another place to go and play. Yeah, so how the Timberwolves are going to ultimately react to this will be interesting. To see. I mean, I think they react by doing nothing. I mean, I think you, you can throw nothing, it out there right now. now, but they're, they're, that team has been thrown into a live trade conversations already with Cove and yeah so is there something that they need to do a little more urgently in order to try to turn the season around uh specifically can they find a point guard that a serviceable night-to-night starting point guard that they could throw out there uh because I just drives me nuts but you can get away with that. Like you don't have to run your offense through a point guard. Plenty of teams. I don't need to list them. Do not have a traditional. Oh uh, yeah. Six one. Well, smaller point guard like position. That's their primary ball handler on possession by possession. You can have pretty much anybody. And so the Timberwolves could play more through Carl Anthony Towns or Wiggins when Cats on the bench. But you still need a top-tier point guard that can complement those types of guys, and they just don't have that. The Teague experiment did not work. I was I had good things to say about it when it happened. I thought that it was a fairly fair deal considering the summer in which it occurred and the other point guards that were available and what they got paid. George Hill got paid the same thing. Drew Holiday got paid that. They all, you know, 19 million is what T's making. Drew Holiday made 30 plus million over the next four years. So I was okay with that deal. Rubio went went off to Utah now in Phoenix, but like should have gotten Kyle Lowry. They that that is probably someone they should have. You know wh- whether or not that that was ever really an option, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean they should have been they if they didn't if they were not able to or if they were not willing to put the 30 million a year on the table to go after him, that was a mistake. And I probably yeah. would have been upset with that at the time. Yeah, but it would have been worth it. I especially just, if that is then making it impossible to sign Gorgi Diang to an extension because that continues to be a big yeah. problem. Yeah, I, I think there's just there's yeah a long list of moves that the Timberwolves have made, and they're just uh, I mean since even I mean this is the franchise that like I mean wasted Kevin Garnett like I mean so like it is, so like the idea that they're going to be able to you know they couldn't put an adequate player around you know. Kevin Garnett, except for like one season, they could accomplish that, and then it fell apart then too. I mean, similarly to this, you know, going the bull route of getting Jimmy Butler, which made sense, I think, for them, but like that even fell apart. So I mean, it's just it's kind of a continuous, you know, same story, different decade for the uh, Timberwolves. But uh, how how yeah, I don't I don't know what the move is specifically, but I think they need to. Uh, as a franchise, I mean, with a new GM and, and new front office there, it's you've got to, I think, look outside the traditional sense and, and find ways to um, get yourself closer to championship. Um, 
I would reckon I would you know look on the first side of you know before trading your your best player is to still try to be aggressive and bringing in pieces around him, but um, based on you know prior administrations moves and stuff, they might be hamstrung to that. They do need to leverage their best pieces to kind of reset and and start again, but. Um, it's yeah, and it's just, it's a cycle that a lot of teams get into um, time and time again, um, and it's yeah, what sets the really good franchises apart from the uh, the middling and below average ones. Yeah, unfortunately, Timberwolves have been the latter. Mm-hmm. It is a bummer, but hopefully, they can find a way to um, get lucky with the draft pick, or they may not even need to get lucky uh, next year. They on pace to they'll have really good odds going to lottery again next season that's been the story of that franchise pretty much um for forever so (laughs) shit uh anyway um let's uh should have probably prefaced this at the beginning but um oh we we have one other nba topic before we move on to star wars chat and we can people that don't like star wars can can leave we can dismiss them for the rest of this podcast but uh michael porter jr a team that is uh doesn't have a ton of they don't have a ton of accolades but has all i think been a always been a pretty well-run organization the denver nuggets have continued to draft wing after wing after wing that brings at least some value and Michael Porter Jr., he was touted kind of coming to the season uh, that he would be, not that he was going to be like, you know, winning sixth man or anything like that, but that he was going to start getting some minutes this year and he was going to open some people's eyes. And uh, he's starting to. Dropped 19 against the Spurs a few nights ago. He uh, had another 25 tonight against the Pacers. And just um, in... How many minutes did he played tonight? In 23 20, minutes. Yeah, 23. And he's looked really good. Um, so I I think the Nuggets are going to eventually... I mean, it's a good problem to have. you got a lot of guys you can play. But I think that it just seems more likely than ever that they there's a, they got to make a trade and they should try to upgrade mm-hmm. somewhere. That team's been really good this season. Uh, they currently sit at second in the West, um, just ahead of the Clippers and Rockets. It's really close. Lakers still sitting at number one and 27 and seven, but the Nuggets, you know, it's just a question of like, what can you put together? That's going to be a better chance of, of making a run in the postseason. Uh, I don't think yeah. Michael Porter jr. Is going to be on the table in in trade talks, but teams are going to want him <laughs> if they're talking with Denver. Yeah, but oh, I think it does. Uh, I mean, we. I think we've said that's almost. It feels like two, three years now with Denver is they need to make like they've, and it's it is you know to their credit though they've done a really great job of of drafting, of developing, and just have a lot of really solid guys coming off that bench. I mean, they're one of the the deeper teams in the NBA um, without a doubt. Just like the. <laughs> The amount of guys they have where you're like, oh, that, that guy's a good NBA player, you know, but 
to hoard all of those, I mean, you can't keep all of those pieces. And, I mean, yeah, you're in a situation now where it's, you know, you look at uh, if Michael Porter Jr. is able to develop and, and uh, you have confidence in him as a focal point of your team moving forward, yeah, I mean, then you have to start looking at guys like Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, um, you know, what do you do with, with Paul Millsap coming up in the offseason? I mean, it is it is a thing of as you're adding, and, you know, they do have more con- years of control with Michael Porter Jr. than they would some of those other guys. So, like, piling up those pieces, too, and, and using them and leveraging them to upgrade at a position. If it's, you know, I know they've been linked a lot with trading for Drew Holiday. Is that, you know, the kind of piece? or But you have to do some sort of move, I think. Um, and I, I do understand that they've been in a uh, – and I think they're positioned really well. You know, you, you talked about not specifically cap, but, you know, there is a, a mindset that I don't necessarily disagree with the strategy of we're going to have a bunch of pieces ready to go, can you know, secure them. But when there's that superstar, that big fish that does want to become available um, – where we're going to strike. Um, well, here here's the risk in that, is that you then have a bunch of guys that can play but do not have the pedigree or the track record to consistently put up really solid rotation guys or starter-type yeah. numbers. So then you have a bunch of guys that you're happy with coming off your bench but have not shown that they can do much in the starting lineup for teams and contribute at a higher level. And then you've got them for maybe a year or two by the time that they've proven anything. And then teams are going to have to sign them in restricted free agency. It's not great. Like These are guys that you're going to have to pay a little bit of money. And sure, you have them restricted. But I think I, like restricted free agency seems like it's, it means less and less. Because do you ultimately get the chance to match? Yes. But if you have a chance to match and you match the guy and then the guy comes out a few months later and says, well, I want out, I want to be on X team, well, that there's precedent for that now, where previously there not wasn't. Not for, so. yeah, for top-tier players. I'm, I'm talking about, like, <laughs> like the Malik Beasleys, the Wancha, like, those guys, like, by no means are, they are restricted free, you know, something like that, where they're going to no, be No, they're not going to get the kind fetch. of money, like, you those know, are solid pros that, I mean, if you patch them up with, like, you're telling me, like, I mean, not that Ed, the, the Nuggets want anything back from the Charlotte Bo- uh, the Charlotte Hornets, but, like, there, the whole second unit on the Hornets, or on the, the Nuggets would greatly improve, like, the Hornets or the Knicks or, you know. They're solid rotational guys, but, it, in res- like, they're valuable trade assets only like you're only going to package a better asset and give that to the nuggets if you're going to get a few of those pieces of return and you think that you're going to get value longer term with those guys because if you're giving up an asset to the nuggets you're probably not a great team right now like you're you're probably not making the playoffs you're trying to tank so you're going to give up a better asset and then try to get something that's going to pay off in the future but what I'm saying is that in order for it to pay off in the future, you're then going to have to pay that guy and have wow. him step up into this role. And restricted free agency guys that haven't proven a ton in their current team are just, like, you're 
they may all of a sudden have a not very team friendly contract in order for you to keep them a few years later. Well, so it's a high risk proposition, and I would just I'd rather have I'd rather have guys that are rookies or a year in or picks like that. Just to me is I don't I mean makes more sense. I think if you look at situation, I mean, and and once again, these are just names to use for argument's sake. But you take Drew Holiday, uh, Blake Griffin, like these are pretty tough contracts that would be you know difficult to move. But you know those are players that could bring value to playoff you know contending teams. If you're getting adequate NBA players back and a pick or two, like that's a decent haul. I mean. The Pistons aren't really in a position where they can outright bottom out tank. I mean, so it's almost a value for a team like that. Or the the Pelicans who are trying to build something, you know, sustainable once Zion comes back. Um, you know, you need good players. I, I don't think the the truly bottom out tanking Denver has never bottom out tanked. Um, and they've they've cycled through a lot of players. Um, since the Mellow trade, and I mean, have have been able to um, do a lot of good there. I mean, even you look at like the uh, the Raptors, not really bottom out. Team. I mean, like there's that isn't the single move um, to be made, but it's kind of yeah where you're at and, and those pieces. And then yeah, I mean, you're looking at your player development. And say okay, well Denver's been able to make Malik Beasley. A very serviceable, very good player. We think we can make Malik Beasley uh, a a starter in the NBA. You know, we think we we can help him and develop him to be a reliable starter, you know, six man type player for us and our team. Uh, so yeah, all, I mean, it all comes into play. I just uh, you know, we we lost track on the Michael Porter portion of the conversation, but like. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just think like by having if Michael Porter can continue to do this and actually show, I mean, this was a guy that going is in Mizzou was thought of is probably going to be a top three lottery pick, and then injuries and with him, I mean, him falling to Denver and then capitalizing and being able to kind of have the luxury to take him, you know, he if he shows anything close to that original pedigree he has like. That's a crazy value they got for a guy at the, the what fourteenth pick, um, and by then doing that, they can you know, same thing with the Warriors. Do I think like it, I don't think at any point a team should ever look and say, um, you know, you I think if anything in the NBA, look at the war like, you get rewarded for drafting well one way or another. If you're drafting well, you have good players, you have good development, organization like. Teams are going to want those guys one way or another because they're going to see what you have and think they can make it even better. Um, and Denver has a lot of that, in my opinion. I agree with that, and I think like if you here. looked at Bradley Beal, let's just say, I know they just extended, but just an example, if <laughs> the nut, if the and even if you, that would be a guy, you know, with Michael Porter Jr., you know, if the. Wizards looked at Michael Porter Jr. and some of the other pieces and said, hey, you know what, Denver? Here's Bradley Beal. You know, that's that's a really attractive, you know, type of type of player for the, the Nuggets. That's a huge upgrade in a position for them as far as a legitimate score in the NBA. Um, 
So I like and just like looking at their team though. I mean, it's if he if he does, you know, continue this. I mean, we're talking a four game run, but it's um, he's had some really great plays, some flashy moves. I mean, he's he's looking at, at least in this little couple, you know, last two weeks here. Like, oh wow, maybe he's you know the the Nuggets really got a steal here with him. Well, and I think that they, you brought up a lot of good points there. The Nuggets deserve a ton of credit for drafting these guys, and I know that I'm, I'm being a little harsh, potentially, on some of on what they're kind of doing with some of these guys. Like really, the Tory Craig, Wancho, yeah. Malik Beasley, like those are the types of guys that are now a little bit even more dispensable because, like, whoa, Michael Porter. Yeah. He already thought he was good. Now he's really starting to show something. But my, I guess my point is the Brad Beal, that had been rumored a lot prior to him, to him being extended. And now, obviously, to your, you mentioned this, can't be traded this year. Yeah. But, you know, you're just, it's just risky for other teams. You got to feel really confident in, in guys that uh, might sh- have shown the ability to shoot from three and defend at a pretty high level but have never really scored above 10 points a game and don't really do a ton outside of that. They don't really rebound or play make very much. So you're you're betting a lot on turning historical low-volume 3 and D guys into a better value than Bradley Beal. Um, so that's my point. Plus, you're going to have to pay them uh, in the not-so-distant future where – you know, Drew Holiday's only got a few years left, but Brad Beal just got locked up. Anyway, um, Michael Porter Jr., fun to watch. I hope they give him more minutes and we get to see more of this. Yep. To say. Cannot disagree with that. All right. Star Wars. Spoilers. If you haven't seen Mandalorian or, or the new Star Wars. Um probably don't need probably a good time to stop <laughs> but you saw um you saw a movie on opening night Mm-hmm. give me give me your thoughts dude what a uh whole lot of stuff happening in a two and a half hour uh time span uh throw a lot at you in rise of skywalker and not really one to criticize, uh, like what they did with the story or how it just like uh, overall. I mean, it it's tough to assess this movie in you know itself versus like the this third like trilogy of it. But um, how they told the story, I think, felt like if you were uh, listening to like an eight year old playing with their to- their Star Wars toys and like making up a Star Wars movie. Um, kind of the detail and nuance of some of what they were doing was um, told about that kind of pace of just like, you know, really little explanation and just sort of these big things and leaps between, uh, besides the actual, you know, um, space leaps, uh, <laughs> doing uh, hyperspeed leaps in uh, with the Millennium Falcon. I mean, they're literally doing story leaps from you know, scene to scene, um, and it just is a bummer, kind of, with looking at the full trilogy, it just doesn't feel like, 
we got much, you know, from Force Awakens till now. Like, I don't know if that story really needed to be told or like what more we got from it. Um, and I think a lot of that's just kind of from not having a a brain trust or a, a sort of a overarching like idea of where they wanted to take the story and having you know different directors movie to movie kind of dictate how that what story and what they want to do with these characters so i will say i very much so enjoyed the movie i I mean it's not for two and a half hours it did not feel like that but i don't think that was necessarily good like it it, for it could have probably been three hours and i'd been okay like they had spent more time with stuff like they put enough out there but i almost wish they would have done like two movies with all the stuff they were introducing and trying to do in this movie well just to be clear too i'm i'm nowhere near the level of fan as you are and there are there is a i would argue a level up from from where you were at as well like you definitely have seen these movies more than i have i don't know how much how many like novels and things like that that you have read. Uh, but there's, there's a lot out there. Um, and if you don't dig too much into a lot of like really niche fandom stuff, I think it's easier to enjoy. And I think that if you spend less time thinking about the continuity and where these three movies fit together, and just look at this as a, its own standalone thing. It is. It has problems. The pacing is insane. It is difficult to follow, especially especially the first time you see it. But it's <laughs> it's it is it's it's fun to watch. And I I left the theater being like that was a fun movie to see in theater. Uh, it's what I want out of that experience, and it was cool. And I still liked it. I understand the problems with it. Uh, you know, honestly, the most bad shit. It, like the beginning is evident right away issues with pacing and how quickly things move but at the end everything with palpatine and the length of that scene like how long ray is there with him and how he ultimately ends up meeting his end uh which we think is his end you know can't really know for sure nowadays but like there's some there are a lot of issues there. Like I still thought it it ended up being kind of a cool ending, but how that all happens, I've got my, my questions. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I thought the movie felt very reactionary from like the response got last year I got, I thought they just kind of gave a bunch of slop and just filled a trough and was like, here you go. Star Wars fan piggies, like eat it up. Um, I don't think it really like pushed, things very far and like i honestly think a lot of star wars fans could have like written that movie and done about the same quality job as what was in the you know, there's the jokes that you know was written by reddit that came out like the next day and stuff from it <laughs> they're not wrong I, I like i'm really not a person that um you know my my overall take with these and like everything it's like People liked Star Wars and like I liked you know, something never seen before and it like captivated and was like, holy crap, like this is this world's cool, like everything about it and like introducing new aspects to it were was interesting and like, alright, like 
were they going to do this or I want to know more about this or that. You know, they did a lot and not all of it was planned. Like it was a lot of it was unintentional. You look at like Clone Wars. Like, that is one line in the first movie, and they turned it into, like, basically the, the prequels were all based on, like, that line about Obi-Wan and Darth Vader fighting <laughs> in the Clone Wars together. Like, but there's stuff there, and you could do stuff with it, and people were interested, but, like, uh, you know, where I'm going with that is, like, at the same point, then I don't want to be able to, like, think I could write the Star Wars movie. I want the people behind that to like take this universe and um, you know take it to interesting places that you know, I want to learn more about and like add new characters and stuff, but make them I don't need them to be recycled uh, from other characters that we've already seen or you know having the resurrection stuff. I just thought got a little ridiculous um, how they used it in this movie, but. Um, I think that's like a tough kind of storytelling mechanism to use um, and freely use it. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't deny it wasn't entertaining, but I just don't think like kind of for that to be the, the final piece. Like I think if there was another movie or if, yeah, like I said, like I think you could have taken this movie and you look at like the point where Ray and uh, Kylo are fighting on, uh, like the Death Star ruins and like doing that final fight scene, like his decision, all of a sudden, like him pivoting to like, oh no, I'm I'm hit you. You kind of cut it off at the oh we're gonna get the Kylo redemption and he's gonna you know be Ben Solo and that kind of thing. Like I think that would have been a great place to stop the movie and have another one. Cause but I think because they're locked in this idea of a trilogies, they didn't do that, which I thought was I think is stupid. It would have been fun to see what that story would have looked like, and while it, I think it's, I think it's touching and effective the way that it showed him turn and give up his life at the end. No, uh, but I, I, I didn't get like the payoff from that. That's like the the all of that, and like I know there's a lot of comment about the I kiss. I agree with you, and that's that's yeah. where I'm going. Is like. I don't it's not that I I don't hate that but it would yeah. have been cool I thought for a brief moment that I that she was going to that she was going to do what Palpatine wanted and that she would then rise as the empress and that the rise of Skywalker the entire time was actually Ben and he would have to fight and defeat her in order to sure. like just a complete reversal and I thought that the I that's the last few minutes that's where my mind was going and um you know it happened yeah. the way it did he gives up his life to save her but you know why can't they both all, like also why can't they just both survive <laughs> you know well like, ben, i didn't i kylo ren killed kylo ren might have more bodies on his hands than like darth vader had like he was a killing machine guys yeah yes, no question um yeah, so I, I I was fine, you know, him being have his redemption, but then dying. Uh, yeah, it's just I think like what from that movie, I was like, I think there was some like if this was ultimately where they wanted to take it, I think they could have built this out, done a lot over the course of three movies that were like you know consistent between each one, and you know if we ended in the place we did, I I think I would be you know really happy with it, but just. 
the overall, um, you know, this movie being the last one feeling unsatisfactory just as far as, like, just a whirlwind of just, like, throwing so much at you and not spending much time with each thing. It's just, like, going from scene to scene and everything. Like, that was overwhelming. And then, like, you realize, and then by the end, you're, like, blink. You're, like, oh, that's it. And, like, holy crap, like, what just happened? And thinking, like, you know, if this was the end point, I wish we could have redone with these three movies and really, like, built up to this everything that they did. Um, but, you know, from that standpoint, it is what it is, but I mean, then you, um, you know, if you transition to the Mandalorian and everything that's done, like, that is, um, you know, some of what we're getting out of the Mandalorian stuff, I wish we got from the, this, you know, third trilogy of the Skywalker saga. I, what a good TV show. I really enjoyed it. Baby Yoda we talked about last episode the episode before and getting more time with baby yoda nothing but good things to say heat check yeah. every second he's on the screen maybe the single most cute character in the history of television uh and mando like the mystery around the character is cool he does yeah. a lot of badass stuff he is clearly flawed in a lot of ways and becomes better in many of those in a lot of different facets throughout the show but uh still still a lot of mystery around what's going to happen with him and where baby yoda is going to fall in all this um excited to see more dark saber next season it's got the jetpack baby we're i'm ready for season two i'm just bummed that we gotta wait probably six fall. plus months to, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's the fall maybe. i dude i think yeah I was a little worried with, like, the kind of middle part of the episodes because it was kind of very standalone-ish stuff. But, like, I'd say really the only episode I didn't like was the one where they're on, like, that, uh, where you meet, um, oh, I'm blanking on the shock trooper's name, uh, meet the fellow bounty hunter where they, like, help with that, like, that village. Uh, that was a yeah. pretty weak episode. Um, but... Like the other anticlimactic. Yeah, I thought the other episodes were very like standalone fine, but I was like sort of like, all right, where's this going? Where's this tie into, you know, from the first few? Um, and the last two episodes that they delivered and like made us kind of, yeah, anyone that was worried about that, like <laughs> got that taken care of real quick. Um, and like totally, I thought delivered on the last two episodes. Um, excited that moth gideon like moth gideon i think is a gonna be a cool character to keep going and like some of the the bounty hunter the you know crew he left in the uh prison like that prison episode like just the although not like the overall bet but like him taking each one of them out and like feeling like a horror like it felt kind of like star wars meets alien with some of those scenes and like how that, that was done um but yeah, like, and I, I, I wouldn't like I, that is a show that I think is like, um, you know, it's got a lot of Western feel, like being told to it, like a Western version of, uh, 
if Star Wars was told as a Western, is like very much the structure of some of the story and what's being done there. But like, kind of goes to show, like the story can be sort of simple and like a very extravagant sort of world, like that we don't know and be interesting and like enjoyable. Um, and like that's a really good way to I think to, yeah, expand the universe, tell it, and like show us more without. Um, you know, do anything too crazy at any point. Uh, and it's, yeah, that was, it, it really did deliver. And I'm excited for season two, see what more they do. But um, learn, we'll see if we can learn what exactly the race of Yoda and baby Yoda and is. Um, and more about them. And uh, more about Mando. Uh, now trust droids, maybe. Yeah, how the interaction and his relationship with droids is definitely going to be interesting to see. Uh, I think we could expect... I, I don't. I just don't know what's going to happen with that, but give me more Baby Yoda. I want answers. Uh, I'm excited. To, uh, that's that's something I'm... You know, I waited till this one ended, and then I kind of binged my way through all of them. Oh, oh really? Uh, see, I'm going to go back and rewatch them all. Um I think one thing I want to do is like a <laughs> I decide after this trip like I do think it, I've set myself up to be able to do like I want to watch Rogue One and then I can do like from Rogue One to the first three movies and then watch Mandalorian and like have a nice little <laughs> little moment there of what those movies um, sequentially get like some really great because I agree, Rogue One is just such an, such a great one too. I, yeah, I and I think it. after like this movie and just the, like I have a much more I I like Rogue One a lot more, just based on, um, and this like I loved the Last Jedi. I thought the Last Jedi was uh, of the trail. Like I was a huge fan of that. Um, so I I did get a little upset with some of like the backtracking they did in Rise of Skywalker, but. Um, yeah, my focus, I haven't really watched through all the animated stuff, um, so I'm re-picking up from, like, Clone Wars, uh, yeah, I'm with you there, and then, I'm, uh, very excited to watch Rebels, I've, everything, like, I, the, the brief stuff I know about Rebels, like, I think that's gonna hit a lot of, uh, it's gonna check some the, boxes for you. it's gonna hit some, hit those, uh, yeah, give me that, the the sweet star wars stuff i'm looking for um and they're gonna add another season of clone wars too so like yeah, yeah. i just that's one i'll say like early parts like it's good to kind of i'd say through like the what i felt is like through the probably first two seasons and like going to season three like the first maybe five six episodes a lot of it you can uh consume but it doesn't need to be like undivided attention i mean you can kind of watch it get a pretty general feel and like i but you know everything i've heard though it does set up like the second half of clone wars and then going to rebels like all becomes very very good yep i need to go back and and rewatch i need to watch yeah. that series i watched a little bit with you back in the day but yeah did you uh so you binge watched all eight at like over Christmas? Within a two-day time span. Wow. And it was enjoyable. Yeah. When you're in the middle of Iowa. Yeah. 
you know, not a lot going on. So, dude, you, I feel you lost your, you because your dad to watch Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, hell's no, I feel lost. I mean, I was watching a week. I was watching those like the minute they got released on Friday. Like, you know, I got home from work, whatever it was. Like, I wasn't making it to Saturday afternoon without watching Mandalorian. But then it was like, I do this this end of 2019 with uh, between Mandalorian and watching Watchmen. Like, that was a real nice little stretch we just had here. Uh, for me, at least, I those are two shows I really, really enjoyed this year, um, and that both coming off of like watching Righteous Gemstone, like I some nice new TV. That, so. well, you what? I have one episode yet to watch of that, oh, dude. I'm gonna rewatch that because I love that show so much. But like <laughs> Watchmen was Watchmen and Mandalorian hit like the same Yo, kind of thing of like just watched the pilot for Watchmen, and i'm just very confused yeah you will be it's but it kind of hits i'd say Does like that and mandalorian hit a very um kind of similar feel of just like oh wow there's someone i'm like confused that's okay like i'm just gonna keep learning i want to learn more it's interesting um you know knowing a lot more about star wars than i do the Watchmen universe but Having read the graphic novel, seen you know, I, I knew and you know had the background for Watchmen, but didn't really know you know where it came into play with this show. But two, just like really perfectly, like really well done, executed shows, like for seasons. Um, yeah, like just everything you like definition in my mind of like what I'm looking for from a television show in both both cases. Well, I definitely agree with you when it comes to Mandalorian. I would say I'm too early from I I've, I've heard nothing but good things about Watchmen. Yeah, I would say if you enjoyed way too Mandalorian, many way too many questions about Watchmen yeah. at this point to say I like it or not. But yeah, I, all I can say is yeah, if you liked what you got from Mandalorian, like Watchmen, Watchmen won't do you wrong either. You'll be okay. you'll be all right. All right, Peach. Well, oh. this was a great, uh, great NBA Star Wars crossover episode, but I think it's time to wrap it up. Any last second shout outs before we call it? Uh, I uh, shout out Captain Kurt Heinrich on his birthday. Um, and uh, I think that's all I did. I have another one. I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, shout out the White Sox signing Luis Robert. White Sox 2020, baby. Uh, and shout out the Bulls for once again blowing a game in the fourth quarter. And, um, yeah, that's all I got. Love it. Um, I don't have any. Star Wars has been my focus as we've covered here. Yeah. But thank you, everyone, for listening. At point four to gmail.com. Email us. Great review on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate all the listening, all the love.